Welcome to the Collaborate podcast. I'm Victor Adibuali, chair and founder of Collaborate. Collaborate's a small organisation with massive ambition. We want to look beyond the challenges we currently face in society and start a conversation about the future. We live in challenging times, and I think we need more collaboration in society, in public services, in our economy, all to create a better future. So we're exploring what a collaborative society could look like, how you build it, and where the green shoots are. And as part of this, I'm talking to some fascinating people about how they are creating change through their work. Steve Reed, MP, I met a few years ago now, possibly 10 years ago, but he's he's MP for Croydon. And I wanted to talk to somebody who had a take on the political situation um, but could relate it to their own experiences and has gone through, I mean, lots of politicians have gone through local government, but but Steve Reid brought to it an, an, an energy and a, and, a, and a frustration born of his own experiences that led him to do some interesting things, some some collaborative things. And he he's, he's the kind of guy that bounces with energy and he brings you into a possible future, whether you like it or not. And I find that inspiring and I think you will too. What do you do, Steve? Um, well, now I'm the um, I'm the Labour MP for Croydon North, mm-hmm. uh, and I've been there for six and a half years now since I got in on a by-election. Uh, before that, I was leader of Lambeth Council. Before that, I was in publishing. Um, no, I didn't know. I didn't know yeah, you yeah, that was my background. It wasn't political uh, at all. And I'm also on the front bench in Parliament on the, the Labour side. I'm a shadow minister for children and families, yeah. which is a great role to have. So I met you when you were leader of Lambeth, I yes, think. Right. You did the yeah. Cooperative Council Ten stuff. years ago, I think. Yeah. Was it, it was ten years? Yeah. And it kind of moved the needle a bit on lo- local government. There's a number of other well, people who did that. I think it was one of the most radical experiments tried in uh, in changing the way that public services are run. It was, and a number of councils followed you after they that. They did, yeah. But I want to go back a bit, because I, I don't... I don't. I, I knew you in the, in the political role, but I'm interested in what... I mean, people always ask politicians this, don't they? But I think it's important to know who you are, really. Uh, particularly, as you, who knows, you could be the next Prime Minister. How did you get How did you get there? When I was younger, it would never have even occurred to me that I could be uh, an MP, even though I was quite interested in politics. Yeah. So um, we were brought up in um, just on the outskirts between St Albans and Watford. Um, okay. My whole family worked in a big print factory in Watford called mm-hmm. Odoms. Mm-hmm. Like the one I said, I mean literally the whole family, my dad, my grandparents, my uncles, my aunties, God. everyone worked in this one factory. And the assumption was um that's where I was gonna end up working uh as well. Um that that was just taken for granted. My mum mm. was the only one that didn't work there. Right. But um she Did was... they own the factory or just work in it? Oh, no, they worked <laughs> just, in it. No, no, Robert Maxwell owned the factory. All oh, right, yeah. okay, just to be and, clear. Um, and Robert Maxwell shut it down in the mid-1980s in the you know the Thatcher yeah, recession yeah, yeah, that we yeah, had yeah. back then. So, um, And what happened, because all of our social networks were built around that factory. It's mm. where I went for Christmas parties. It's where my mm. godparents worked, yeah, everybody. Yeah. When it shut down, it devastated the community yeah. everyone's expectations were taken away they all got their income there mm. they all got their sense of who they were mm. from that place they all got mm. their sense of belonging mm. um everything was linked to that factory and it shut down and nothing was put in place to support them and many of them never worked again wow and it was it was like in a you know because at the same this is the same time the you know the much bigger issues of the the mines and the steelworks mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. industrial heartlands in the north and the midlands mm-hmm. were happening but it happened in 
smaller on a smaller scale in parts of the mm. south as well. Mm. Uh, and around Watford, Odoms was the big employer, and its closure took away people's livelihoods. And for many of them, they just couldn't cope again. They yeah. sank because yeah. they, they'd been born expecting to yeah, work yeah, there. They yeah. did work there, yeah. and they couldn't imagine themselves doing oh. anything else. And, and they just that, sank. How old were you when that happened? I'd just gone to university actually when right. that happened, okay. but I saw what it did to uh, to my parents' yeah, sense yeah. of confidence. My dad didn't work for uh, a while. Uh, my mum ended up having three jobs. She was a cleaner, a receptionist, and she was doing other things as well just to, to pay the household bills. So it was tough. But the fundamental point was there was no support for the communities that mm. were just left to collapse. Yeah. And because they had become so dependent on yeah. that one source of a livelihood, uh, they weren't able to shift into anything else or yeah. to reskill themselves because yeah, yeah. the support wasn't there. Wasn't so there. it's kind of in, in a smaller way, the same as was happening on a bigger scale. That's the exactly what I was works. thinking. Yeah, yeah. yeah it just... Yeah. You, it just the, 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 Work so important, it yeah. just gets sucked out of me. So, that, so you didn't go to work in the factory; you went to university. I went to university. Well, that was my way of escaping. You know, I, I, from a, from an earlier age, although I knew this was my mm. destiny, I didn't want it. Yeah, I wanted to go beyond the yeah. confines of our town. Yeah, yeah. Um, we were right on the outskirts of London. I could see this big shiny thing there, but I couldn't get at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, the city on the hill. And the other, I mean, the other aspect for me was I was I was coming to terms with my sexuality, the mm-hmm. fact that I was gay. Mm-hmm. And again, I didn't know anybody that mm. was gay. There were, mm. back in the 80s, there Oof. weren't role models on TV. You well, had John Inman we, and Larry Grayson. Well, and then we had the... the, the was it the Conservative government brought in Section... Section 28, that was in 89. So... I, I was trying to understand who mm. I was and escaping from mm. the confines of home gave me a way to mm. rethink that. So mm. I went to university in Sheffield, which then seemed a very long way away. Yeah, it was a long very way different away. place. And I was able to, you know, sort of reflect on who I was and explore mm. different things, come to terms with something that I found very uncomfortable yeah, yeah, yeah. for a long time as well. You'd be growing up being told that you're, so there's something wrong with you, you're yeah. sick, you're perverted, yeah. and all of that weighs it's on illegal. the young mind developing. Yeah, a lot of, of it was it illegal. Does. I'd always imagined I was going to be a teacher, actually. That's what I wanted to mm. be instead of going uh, to work at the factory. But um, with Section 28 coming in, um, I was afraid to be a teacher, yeah, to be honest, yeah, yeah. because you were able to be sacked for your sexuality. So I didn't become a teacher. I, I shifted in. So I went into mm. publishing it felt quite close to the print world that I've been brought mm. up. You know, there, mm. there was talk of ink and paper yeah, and yeah, pikers, yeah. and I, I kind of understood all of that. Yeah. Um, and then when when the government brought in Section Twenty Eight, I was outside Parliament um, protesting it. Mm. You know, part of the demonstrations against it. And you know, what, one of the things that struck me after I eventually became an M, an MP, and as I said, this was never a thing that I'd expected mm. to be. But I was I got in in the end of 2012, and one of the first things I voted on was equal marriage. Yeah. So for me, the journey from being a protester shouting with banners yeah. outside Parliament yeah. to at a later point in my life being in to help pass a very important piece of equality yeah. legislation. No, I remember that in the House yeah. of Lords as it I, came through. Well, there was something quite important about um, a, a, a journey uh, oh. that, that that was in that. And um, that no, back back to what I saw happening to my family in the factory, I saw a lot of people of great talent mm. uh, whose lives got wasted because they mm. were never given an opportunity. Mm. And that hit me very, very hard. Mm. Um, as and, and the Section 28 thing, I saw a lot of 
people in loving relationships who were prevented from expressing well, their love for so that the scale of change that was needed was dramatic and mm. the Labour Party for me was the vehicle that could deliver it was the only place. positive change well, it was the only place. you could hardly join the Conservative Party if you were... oh no 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 I despised and detested the Conservative Margaret Thatcher destroyed my uh, mm. family and then her government was trying to yeah, yeah. stop me being who I am so before you became an MP you yeah. were leader of Lambeth Council that's like Frontline, in a way, you know, yeah. Lambeth. I mean, gone through a whole load of stuff. So I'm interested in, you know, how you got to this vision of cooperative councils and 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 how it changed. You know, your view of public services. I can understand how it came about from the yeah. factories. Yeah. But but I'm just interested in how you got into the local government and and what that meant in terms well, of your views yeah, of there's, services. Yeah, there's a journey there too. Yeah. I suppose we're we're, we're all on journeys the whole we time, are. obviously. So, what really. Uh, got me thinking differently was when I first came to, after I graduated, I moved to Lambeth, mm. uh, Clapham in, I think it was about 1990. Mm. It was kind of the the, the the era of the poll tax riots, um, which I wholeheartedly joined in with. And um, Lambeth Council at the time was, read, I think Ted Knight it had been Ted, leading Ted it and Knight, Linda Bellos had taken yeah, over. Yeah. Um, well, in the sun a lot, I know that. And they, they were organising, you know, bonfires mm. where we'd all go and mm. burn our poll tax books. Mm. Um, and I mean, the, I liked the energy mm. and I liked the fact that you were saying no, mm. that all of that appealed to me. Mm. What I didn't know was the extent of what their gesture politics had really done to the people that needed their support and needed yeah. to be looked after. Now, it, it turned out re- eventually there were independent people came in and reports were done, like the Appleby report, the Barrett report. Yeah. There have been industrial scale child abuse going on in the children's homes in the borough because the council had decided to ban the police from entering council premises, didn't bother to check people that were applying to become uh, youth workers and social workers. Uh, So you got paedophiles organising themselves to go and get jobs in Lambeth children's homes where they raped the children in their beds on an industrial scale. I mean, the scale yeah, of corruption, yeah. financial corruption mm. beyond that as well. It it cost about twice as much to repair a, uh, a council fl- house in Lambeth yeah. as in Southwark next door because the amount of money that was leaking out the system because uh, nobody was checking. Yeah, yeah. They only collected in 50% of the money that was due um, wow. through, the, through the rates. So they couldn't fund the services. They built up a debt the size of a third world country that the council was still struggling to... Uh, to pay off. So this taught me a lot about yeah. the need to focus your politics, yeah. not on gestures, no. but on really listening to people and supporting Don't them. deliver the goods. And what was the thing that those kids that whose lives were being destroyed, mm. literally destroyed, the mm. things they most lacked mm. was a voice. Mm. Nobody listened to them. They had no means to assert what they wanted yeah. or to demand to be listened to yeah, yeah. and then get heard. It yeah. wasn't there. So what had to shift in order to give people a voice? Uh, and it, for me, it was about power. There's a power imbalance. The powerful can always control the powerless yeah. until the powerless have enough power to demand to be heard. That's right. So you needed to rebalance the power mm-hmm. dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, and the role for the council, it seemed to me, could become mm. to build the capacity to participate mm. around the most marginalised, the most yeah. vulnerable, the most excluded. Yeah. It can be the voice for the voiceless yeah. as long as it is working with them and listening to That's them and the helping idea. them to amplify what they think. Right. Uh, and out of that came a different way of trying to run public services. Instead of having the professional here telling you what's good for you, mm-hmm. the professional has to share power with you in yeah. whatever mechanism makes that work. Yeah. 
so that your voice is as powerful as their voice. And then together, through collaborating or cooperating, you're likely to get better outcomes for the citizen. So the co-op council yeah. was about that, equalising power. How did it go down with the professionals? Oh, variably. It's, yeah. I mean, it was very interesting. because one you make of the, it sound really easy. I'm, I'm interested it wasn't easy, no. <laughs> oh my God, it, it was so hard. But, um, and we didn't fully achieve it. You know, we yeah. did in some areas, yeah. but, but the organisation resisted us. Mm. And one of the things that happens over time is any organisation develops its own culture. Mm. And that culture is fundamentally uh, focused on protecting its own power and influence and it will seek to expand that power and yep. influence over time yep. unless there's something that will try and constrain yep. that yeah uh, and in public services because you're generally delivering most 80 percent of public services or resources are, are being delivered to about 20 percent of the population and that's the most marginalized that's right. uh, least population which has yep. the least capacity to articulate for itself yeah so they get sequentially oppressed yeah. more and more and more. So you had to try and rebalance that. I, I, I mean, councils like national government, mm. similar models, but on a different scale, are organised into power silos. Yeah. You've got executive directorates, and at the top of them sits an executive director, yeah. and below them uh, assistant directors, heads of services. Yeah, and they it's a pyramid, isn't it? It's a pyramid. And they measure their relative importance by the size of the budget they control and the number of people they mm. control, and they seek to expand that. Mm. And that's not for malevolent reasons, no. it's because they think they're doing good. Yeah. Um, so we've got these kind of dictatorships mm. with a hopefully benevolent dictator mm. at the top of it but not always yeah. taking decisions through a great big power silo about a load of people yeah. underneath them and that's yeah. how they all see it to yeah. whom they are doing good things but those people feel very very differently mm. about having their lives controlled by other people they can't influence yeah. they get angry they get frustrated they try and resist but worst of all in the end a lot of them give up yeah. they, they, they lose the ability to aspire to anything bigger or better because they're never involved yeah. in decisions and if you pass that from one generation to another mm. you get inherited disempowerment mm. and I think that's what we created tell me about and then, I mean if you can think back I mean when did you think well this might work when did you think this might work? Because in theory, it's great, isn't it? You know, but but well, an it's not easy an interesting, No, it's not easy. And you know, I was saying the organisation resisted it. We mm. we found allies in the organisation that got it as well. Yeah, of course, yeah. we did. Yeah. You know, my biggest ally was our amazing chief executive, Derek yes, Anderson, I do remember who was Derek. a superstar. Yeah. We had to find ways to support people inside the organisation and out out of it that yeah. got what we were trying to do, and they yeah. had to be our allies. You couldn't impose this model from the no. top. It had to be developed organically. Yeah. So that, that was one of the things. In terms of a service area that shifted, uh, well, my new brief is children and families, so I'll focus on that because back in, I was elected leader of the council in 06, and 06, 07, we mm. had a big spike in violent youth crime yeah. uh, across the borough, a bit like we're seeing now yeah. across yeah. London, actually. Oddly enough, I did the, the London Youth Crime Prevention Board. Back then. It. Yeah, at <laughs> the same yeah. time you were doing yeah, that, I yeah, the work it. you were doing. And, um, yeah. and I, what we did... Uh, was we'd only just been elected and there were about three murders mm. over a few months and we insisted as politicians in going out setting up public meetings and mm. listening to what people had mm. to say in, the, in those communities yeah. and they were terrified understandably yeah. kids were being killed yeah. on the streets of estates poor housing social yeah. housing estates um, the council officers advised us not to do it mm. and refused to help us set them up in fact, right. even though we were leading the council, uh, because okay. they said, you're just setting yourselves up for failure. This isn't something the council can affect. It's for the police. It's for the government. Mm. But if you go out there and say you can right. do something about it and you fail, then you've let everyone down. So okay. they refused to help go and even listen. Now, so we set up as a group of councillors, we went and hired rooms in the right. in a church hall 
set, printed our leaflets, invited local people to yeah. come, um, sat in a room and listened to people while they vented their anger yeah. and their frustration about what was going mm. going wrong. And the thing that struck me, other than the anger, they had to let it out. There yeah. was a pressure valve yeah. thing there that had yeah. to happen. But their own insights about what was going wrong and their frustration and rage that mm. you're spending as a council, you know, tens of thousands of pounds doing stuff of our that money. isn't of our money <laughs> that isn't protecting yeah, our yeah. children. Yeah. Why don't you do this instead? Yeah. Because this is what we think yeah. will work. It was listening to those people and seeing some of the little projects that groups were mm. running. You know, mm. people were setting up mm. local football teams. They were yeah. opening up their own homes to yeah. let kids in to socialise because mm. they didn't have the safe spaces to, mm. to be in. They were doing little things on their mm. own that were making a difference. And at some point it occurred to me, what if we took these people and their own insight and ideas and instinctive love mm. of their own children mm. and desire to protect mm. them? What or if we community. took that and linked it yeah, with yeah. the council's resources, buildings, yeah. workers, professionals, money, yeah. Yeah. and let them influence what it's yeah. doing? Yeah. How much different would that be? Instead yeah. of sat in a room shouting at me, maybe they can use that energy and the passion to drive change yeah. instead, a much better use of mm-hmm. their energy. Mm-hmm. Um so we set up something called the Young Lambeth Cooperative. Mm. And the idea was we shifted the council's, um, I think it was about £3 million worth of budget at the yeah. time, um, uh, the, the, the play centres, mm-hmm. the youth centres, all into this thing. Set up a board to oversee it. The board was half statutory agencies, yeah. so schools, police, probation, yeah. the rest of it, yeah. youth services. But half of it was young people themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the young people were young people that came from the estates that were most affected by the violent right. youth crime. So right. it wasn't the articulate middle yeah, yeah, classes. Yeah. These were young kids from challenging backgrounds on yeah. the really tough estates. No, the insight was these young people and their families know what's going wrong and what needs to happen, but they yeah. don't understand the architecture of the yeah. system and they don't understand how to influence it. Yeah. So let's bring it to them. Let's bring mm. it closer to them. Let's, mm. let's support them mm. to influence mm. it. And we started to change the way the services work. Yeah. And doing doing that across in different ways, across all of Lambeth's children's services, yeah. so fostering, um, uh, adoption, mm. children on the at-risk mm. register, mm. looked after children, mm. When, when we were elected in 06, they, our services were rate, those services were rated in the bottom 3% in the country by Ofsted. Yeah. Uh, by 2012, when I left, they were rated the best in the country mm-hmm. in every single service, mm-hmm. despite all of those challenging yeah. circumstances. Yeah. The key thing we did was find ways to give the people that were using the services a voice. Yeah. So what a dramatic change. Yeah, yeah. We did it by just harnessing a resource that was freely available everywhere but that no one ever uses and that's people yeah yeah turn the pyramid upside yeah, down turn the pyramid upside yeah, down yeah. and from that came actually. the idea of a cooperative council yeah. so instead of a council that does things to you yeah. how about a council that does things with, with you, you. Yeah. but it makes sure that you can participate because it yeah. will share power with you and we found new structures like that uh, youth trust that would yeah. directly empower yeah. the poorest and most marginalized to participate yeah what what are the big challenges that you're f- noticing in your role? Poli- I mean, it's it's it, it, it's it's not a radical thing to say that politics is in a complete and utter mess, is it? Yeah, yeah, it no, really is. Not, and no, Brexit pretty... is the particular manifestation of it we see mm. at the moment, mm. which you know the, the country is trying to commit a massive act of self harm. Mm. Um, and but I, I I try not to focus too much on Brexit of itself, but mm. what caused Brexit, what mm. led to Brexit. Mm-hmm. Because what stoked it has been problems that have been brewing in our country over decades. It's not all just down to this one government. This has happened Mm -hmm. for decades. Mm -hmm. And 
it's it oddly links back to some of the stuff we were doing at yeah. the co-op council because i think what's happened for me i now conceive of it all in terms of power mm-hmm. uh and the the lack of power that many people feel mm-hmm. over the forces that control their lives mm-hmm. is what has bred immense discontent mm-hmm. with um our society uh and with politics and it's not just public services by any means if you look at what's happened in the uh, those formerly industrialized regions of the mm. country mm. where manufacturing, steel, coal, yeah. everything yeah. went. Yeah. Uh, partly offshoring, mm. partly uh, automation, mm-hmm. more automation actually mm-hmm. than offshoring. Mm-hmm. But people's livelihoods were taken away, just like my family at their yeah. factory. Everything that they knew was taken away and nothing was put in its place. Yeah. And where they'd had hope and confidence in the future, they now had only despair and fear. Yeah. And young people who were bright enough to get away got away mm. like mm. i did mm-hmm. um and they never came back and you ended up with whole towns with shut down town centers mm-hmm. um their their younger talent left yeah. older people thrown on the scrap yeah, people the never, never given the chance everything yeah. was hollowed out mm-hmm. and those people lacked the power mm. to force change to happen mm-hmm. on their own terms mm-hmm. or to give them back something mm-hmm. that would allow them to control their mm. uh their own their own futures and that's got worse and worse as the decades mm. have gone on. If you take us back to the financial crash 2007, mm. 12 years have passed since then. Yep. And in that time, the economy has grown at about by about 15%. Mm-hmm. The overall economy has got yep. richer by 15%. Yep. But the average worker has seen their wages decline by 10% in mm. real terms. So the average worker is getting less and less mm-hmm. while the economy is mm-hmm. generating more and more money. So it's going mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. a few at the top, but everyone else mm-hmm. isn't feeling the benefit of it. And what's what's happened there? It's another yeah. dynamic of power. Yeah. There used to be, uh, uh, in an earlier age, there was a kind of an, uh, an unspoken social contract that inequality wouldn't be allowed to go too far yeah. in another direction. Yeah. But what's actually happened in economic terms is the return to capital has increased as a proportion mm-hmm. while the return to labour has reduced. Yeah. Um, and labour... Working people lack the power to demand a fair share mm-hmm. of the proceeds of mm-hmm. growth. So what, power what, for what me do is you fundamental. Because I'm tempted. Because it'd be easy to agree with you, and I kind of do. You know, it's like it's the blinding. You know, again, it's like what you described is the effects of gravity. But when when you when um, you say this to people, some people uh, um, I talk to, them, uh, you know, people on the right, they would say, um, "Well, you know, it's an act of force of nature. You know, these things happen." Um, it's inevitable that some people are going to get it in the neck, and they they um, they voted. You know, it wasn't about you know it it was not wasn't about Britain. It was about the whole world. You know, and um, individuals um, did do well in that period. We we freed some individuals up to to become entrepreneurs and develop stuff. Um, you, you kind of you you you're um, you're howling in the wind, you know. You, the, the, what could these people in Croydon have done to made anything better? You know, the decisions were made miles away from them, and really, you know, they needed more self. I think the fundamental thing is inequality has been allowed to grow. The powerful are mm. able to demand and get more for themselves, leaving mm. the less powerful to to sink. Mm. And if you're if you're the most powerless, you've lost. So much, it's almost mm. unconscionable what we've done to those people. Mm. And none of this is inevitable. None of it mm. is the weather. Yeah. These are all social 
constructs that we as a society have allowed to develop Mm -hmm. and we as a society can choose to stop it Mm -hmm. and that's what we have to do Mm -hmm. in my view it's it's Mm -hmm. a matter of how 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 we Mm -hmm. do that i mean one one statistic i was speaking to the children's commissioner in in my my office last Mm -hmm. week gave me a staggering um statistic um that there are three high risk factors Mm -hmm. that when a child is born, if any of those are present in their family, yeah. that child's life, life yeah. chances are dramatically curtailed. Yeah. And they are if the parent, one of the, if the parent is addicted to drugs yeah. or alcohol, yeah, the way. parent has severe mental ill health, yeah. or if the parent is the victim of domestic violence, yes. that child's life yeah. chances are dramatically curtailed. Yeah. There are sixteen thousand children born every year in this country whose yeah. parents exhibit all three. Absolutely. Those kids have no chance yeah. from the second they're yeah. born. Yeah. Those kids are not going to become entrepreneurs, nope. doctors, MPs. Yeah. Those kids are likely to fail at school. They're mm-hmm. much more likely to end up in prison. Mm-hmm. They're much more likely to be mm-hmm. on the streets. Mm-hmm. They're much more likely to die mm-hmm. younger. Mm-hmm. From the minute they're born, that child has no chance mm-hmm. of life. Mm-hmm. And how can we allow that to be? Mm-hmm. We've chosen mm-hmm. to let this happen. Mm-hmm. We can choose to be different if we want when to. When you go into your community into your constituency um, how do you how do you see the current um, challenges affecting relationships between members of your constituency members of the community that you that you serve sort of I think when people feel really under threat they quite often retrench they sort of go back behind closed Mm. doors and they try and hide away and when all the sources of support that might have once been out there, particularly voluntary groups, yeah. advocacy groups, campaign groups, have had all their resources taken away. No one's going out, knocking on their doors, yeah. putting them together and trying to advocate for them anymore. So there's a sense of isolation. Yeah. But in that, um, I think communities themselves, we as human beings, as social creatures instinctively want to be together with yeah, yeah. other human beings. Yeah. So it quite often doesn't take much of an instigation to get people to come together mm-hmm. and collaborate. And mm-hmm. there's one great example. There's a there's a, a GP practice in Thornton Heath called the Parchmore Medical Centre. I've heard of it. Uh, and what yeah. they've done, they got a guy who, as you know, up mm. when I was up in Lambeth, mm. actually, mm. Um, he's got a background in community organising, mm. not a background in health. Mm. And he came in as the practice manager. Mm. And what he's done is he's worked with the community uh, and they've set up in church halls, school halls, community mm. spaces, activities that bring the community <coughs> together to tackle issues that the community uh, the community is, uh, is facing. So isolated older people mm. come together to share a coffee in yeah. a pub in the morning before yeah. it opens for customers at, yeah. um, at half past 11. Mm. They get people with mobility issues in the church hall and they bring someone in to do music, mm. music and movement with them. Mm. They texted all of the, everyone that was registered with a GP surgery and said, if you're a parent that is worried about child nutrition, yeah. we've got some nutritionists and some cooks coming come along to St. Paul's Church all mm. come down and we're going to mm. give you, they expected 40 or 50 to, people to turn up it was well over 120 you know so people wanted to come together and as they've done that at scale across that whole uh community they've kind of reconnected uh the links within that community and if you go and talk to people now they both value immensely these new Mm. range of uh support so it's kind of services or Mm. is it advice or guidance they value all of that but they really love that they know their neighbors Mm. and um they've they've kind of found a model that is supporting that community to, to deal with its own problems, but it's also reduced the number of people coming to see the GP. Got to ask, yeah. were you were you around during the the, the era of big society? Uh, yeah, what, yeah. Well, what it was, did, what did you that make was 2010, about? wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, if I'm really honest, I, I was there when it happened. There was an idea in it that yeah, was of yeah. value. Yeah, yeah. There was a value, which is, yes, of course, people need to work together to support each other, and mm. we shouldn't all be dependent mm. on others taking decisions about us, but. 
the conservatives being the conservatives, it quickly withered down into a form of volunteerism mm -hmm. that you can't base public services mm -hmm. on. And, and the, the intention of the government was they were just about to institute uh, a massive political uh, agenda based on austerity. Mm -hmm. uh, and they wanted to replace paid professionals with unpaid volunteers. And it doesn't work like mm -hmm. that. For, for me, empowerment is about how whatever resource you're trying to put into a community, it will be better used if that community helps to choose how it's used. Mm -hmm. For the mm -hmm. Conservatives, the big society was about ripping out uh, professional support and replacing it with non-professionals. Mm. So although the language was similar, in, yeah. in, in, in intent, it was completely different. Yeah. It's, I mean, obviously, there's nothing wrong with kindness, is there? The problem with it is that it's not equally distributed. <laughs> yes, yes, Which is yes, why yes, we have public yes, services. Yes. So what needs to change? So you, now you're here. Yeah. What, what you know, you're Prime Minister for a day. Huh. What, what, what would you, because you've described some fundamental shifts at a local level. What, what do you think needs to change here? You know, in the. Oh well, I mean, Brexit is the symptom of a massive problem in our mm. democracy. Mm. Uh, people lack the power to influence the things that affect them, their communities, their sense of belonging, mm. their sense of identity. Mm. The world of work is changing. Public services are not as efficient as an eff and effective as they should be, not just because of the horrific scale of the cuts, mm. but because service users don't have voice. Mm. So for me, I think you have to go right back to basics um, and look at how do we rebuild and renew democracy mm -hmm. uh, itself by rewiring it straight back to people and making more mm. direct forms of accountability and deepening what it. Would, what would that look like? It, 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 it's an approach rather than mm. um, a particular um methodology mm -hmm. i think but the, the reason we need to do it is you look around the world there's a shift towards populism mm -hmm. there's a shift back to the idea of the strongman ruler mm. strongman leader and the strongman model is actually the default model by which human societies have been governed for mm. most of history mm. democracy is a relatively recent innovation mm -hmm. even in our country it's not really existed for longer than a hundred mm -hmm. years mm -hmm. uh, in one in one form or another. It's very precious. It's very fragile, and it's under threat. Mm -hmm. So, given the scale of that change, and given that the form of liberal democracy we had up to the crash failed, mm. ultimately it, it, it failed to provide the protections people expected. What do you do? Do you move away from it, or do you find a new way to deepen embed okay. it? For me, we have to remake our democracy around mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. So, in public services, that means rewiring accountability directly back to service users mm -hmm. um, and citizens in the economy it means looking at how you empower workers so that they can demand and take mm -hmm. a bigger share of the proceeds of growth and it can't mm -hmm. all be creamed off mm -hmm. by a tiny elite mm -hmm. sat at the top new mm -hmm. forms of accountability new models of mm -hmm. uh, public ownership new mm -hmm. forms of decision making we've got the whole online revolution mm -hmm. the whole digital revolution as well mm -hmm. which is both a threat and a massive opportunity big corporations can now mine and exploit our data to find new ways to coerce us into buying things mm. for us and our children that are going to be damaging. Or we can take that data, we can take control of it, and we can tell them how they can and they can't use it. So it always works in our interests. So great forces mm. that we can use to remake the, the progressive left, mm. progressive politics, mm. uh, eradic use that to eradicate, eradicate inequality, mm of wealth and opportunity by tackling the inequalities of power that mm. underpin it. For me, that's the future of progressive mm. politics. Mm. And it's the antidote to yeah. right-wing populism. Do you think, that was a cheeky question, but do you think some Conservatives would agree with you? Some would, to an extent. Yes, it's quite interesting mm. because the, the traditional left-right fissure doesn't mm. quite work around mm. empowerment. Some people mm. on the left don't get it as well. Mm. You know, I'm sure they're well-intentioned, but there are some people on the left that think 
the ultimate goal of politics is to put them at the top of the decision-making mm-hmm. heap because they're the most virtuous mm. and they will take the right decisions about mm. everybody. Mm. They haven't quite clocked that the problem isn't who gets to be the dictator. The problem is there's a dictatorship. Yes. And what we need to do is open up power to everybody. So that's what I'm trying to explore with uh, many other people so, who are interested in. a couple it. more questions. How are you trying to bring it about? What, what, what are you doing to bring what you've described about? Well, one... one one area was, I mean, we've still got the co-op council network. There's yeah. about 30 councils in yeah. that, and they're they're innovating in mm-hmm. different ways of how you empower people. Mm-hmm. That's 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 one route. That's a good thing, and I'm still involved with that, which is great. Um, second is I was, until I became Shadow Minister for Children and Families, I was Shadow Minister for Civil Society. Mm-hmm. Uh, and last month, we launched Labour's Civil Society Strategy, mm-hmm. which is all about how do you empower citizens and service users over the decisions that affect them? Mm-hmm. How does the state need to behave differently? Mm-hmm. How do you transfer assets mm-hmm. and control to people mm-hmm. in ways that they can then mm-hmm. use it? Because, you know, obviously if you're if you're highly marginalised and socially excluded, you lack capacity, but the yeah. state can help provide that capacity mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. But it needs to be listening to you, not speaking for you. Yeah. There's, a, there's, a big, there's, a, there's a big difference there. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we're doing, we're... Um, we're setting up this project called the Power Project, yeah. with me and a group of other people uh, are doing that. Compass, you might have heard of, I've heard the, of Compass, the, sort of yeah, the, yeah. the radical campaign group. Yeah. Some people from Momentum are yeah. interested in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got people from right across the breadth of the Labour Party, campaign organisations, people mm-hmm. in civil society, mm-hmm. um, people that are interested in digital technology. Mm-hmm. And we're going to use that to scope out how can you create an open platform participative project mm-hmm. that looks at what is power? Who mm-hmm. has access to power? Mm-hmm. Where is it hoarded? Mm-hmm. How do you open it up? How mm-hmm. do you distribute it? How do you make sure that the most marginalised and the most vulnerable can also have mm-hmm. access to power? Mm-hmm. And I think if we explore that, we can start to try and understand what is disfiguring people's lives and mm-hmm. how we help them to use their own resources and insights to, to, to reshape mm-hmm. it. It's really about how do we deepen and embed democracy so it can resist the threats to it coming from right-wing populism mm-hmm. and hard-left extremism. Yeah. And, and I'm assuming, I mean, I know you're a Labour Party politician, but if other par- people from other parties wanted to come along, would, you, yeah. would that be okay? That's fine, yeah. And and um, do you see any green shoots out there? Do you see any, do you, do you see any green shoots? And, and what gives you personal, what gives you hope? I mean, you sit across from me, you're a man brimming with energy. You know, you, you're literally bouncing up and down in the chair when you're saying it's stuff. It's a bouncy you, chair. To you know, it's, no, I just think it's good. Yeah. I mean, it's a good thing, you know. But I'm just wondering what gives you... Do you see any green well, shoes? I mean, gives you hope? we're all meant to... I mean, being in Parliament makes mm. me feel pessimistic mm. because it's so tied up in the introspection that mm. is Brexit. Mm. But when I get out in the community, those projects that I saw around you know, the Parchmore Medical mm, Centre mm. in Thornton Heath, in the heart mm, of my constituency, mm. one of the poorest wards in the country. Yeah. There are people coming together and they're doing amazing things mm-hmm. off their own backs. There's, um, I went up to visit this place called New Speak House mm-hmm. uh, in the East End, mm-hmm. which is a group of young political technologists, mm-hmm. young people interested in technology. They want to change the world mm-hmm. and they want to use it for that. And I went up and spent an evening with them, and I just came away just full of excitement. There are people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that still feel how I felt when I yeah. was in my early 20s, yeah. and we mustn't lose that energy. Yeah. Just all across the country, there's project after project, example after example, in communities mm. that are transforming lives. And if we can network them and bring them together, there is a movement that can change the world. It's a bit like, was it Tony Benn said when he resigned from politics, um, from being MP, he said, I want, I want to leave Parliament so I can spend more time doing politics. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, yeah, you're true. Like it's that, true. It? I mean, it's really, really slow doing stuff in here. Mm. But what Parliament is, it's... Um, 
I mean, politicians, I'm an individual human being, mm. just like anyone else that's, mm. uh, that's, that's, that's listening to this conversation. Mm. And power's a continuum. I'm one mm. link in a long chain. Yeah. I can do nothing as an MP unless there are people who yeah, yeah. want to support the same change right the way through um, society at every level. Mm. So we have to build a movement. There's mm. a role for MPs. There's a role mm. for councillors. Mm. There's a role for community activists. There's a role mm. for campaigners. And there's a role for the mum who's uh, addicted to drugs or alcohol and not getting the support she needs to support her child. All of us are connected in this great drama that mm, is society. That is and I, I really believe that the future of progressive politics is putting those people together to explore new forms of democracy that are more are deeper and more accountable than anything we've seen before. Mm. And fundamentally, where that comes from is that I trust people. Mm. And I think a lot of politics doesn't. Mm. And that's where we've gone that's wrong. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. So keep saying absolutely right. I'm not supposed to, I, supposed <laughs> to, I'm supposed to be lobbing the old hand grenade. And I'm, I'm, this is, this. oh God, I should apologize to, to listeners. <laughs> it's good. It's a green. I'm not sure that a green's the thing that people look for these days, don't they? They look for a good old Barney. Yeah. Yeah. And I've sat here going, yeah, he's got a point. Yeah, go, 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 Reed. It's like, oh. Anyway, last question. So, um, the backing track. Oh. The backing track question, right? We've got to do this. There is no escape. What's the, what's the, what's the music that's going to be playing? As A change is going to come. Ah, good choice. Thank you. And it was quick as well. Thank you. Yes. Well, it's, 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 I think we can do that, can't we, Joe? We can, we can have that. Thank you very much, Pleasure. Steve Reed MP. It's been an absolutely fascinating conversation. Yeah, great to see you. It's been a decent book, to be honest. <laughs> well done. Thank you. You can find out more about the work of Collaborate and the Collaborative Society on our website, collaboratecic.com. Do get in touch if you'd like to be part of the conversation.